Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great conversation and episode to help you up your game and become more successful in the world of talent development. You know, we cover all kinds of different topics on this show, and I love learning from all the different people out there who are doing fantastic things, and today's guest is no different. Today, we're talking all about organizational development and specifically managing cultural transformation and organizational change. My guest today is Gloria Song, who is a certified coach, a facilitator, and an organizational development consultant. She works on her own, but formerly she was an L&D professional for multiple organizations, including Microsoft and Autodesk, where she held multiple positions in HR and customer success, creating and facilitating empowering learning and change management programs. Now, as the founder of CoChange Lab, Gloria is on a mission to help people and organizations to create positive changes that they envision for themselves. Gloria is a certified coach. She is a facilitator of workshops, including the Own Your Career training program that I created from my book. And I have been lucky enough to get Gloria to come in and help facilitate sessions for me with different clients. And I have been over the moon, enthusiastic, excited, and very happy with the work that she has been doing in representing my brand. And she also does a lot of coaching and works with organizations on organizational change and cultural transformations. And so I was excited to get her on the podcast to talk about some of the work that she has done, as well as what she sees out there in the field when it comes to organizational change. And if that's something that you deal with by any means, this is going to be a great episode for you. Lots of great ideas here in the different ways that you can approach it, top down, bottom up, and the three different pillars of a successful cultural transformation and organizational change. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Gloria Song. 
All right. I'm joined now by Gloria Song, who is a coach, facilitator, and organization development consultant. Gloria, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Andy. You're welcome. I'm really excited to have you on. We got connected uh, just a few months ago, maybe by mm -hmm. our mutual friend, Adam Waltz, who works at Autodesk, and we've been doing some work together. You've been helping me improve my Own Your Career training program. It's been really fun working with you. And I know you do a lot of work in organizational design and development and change management. And so I was excited to get you on to talk about that. But I want to start with your background. And actually, first question I want to ask you, Gloria, mm -hmm. is your LinkedIn headline says that you are on a mission to empower people to manifest their fullest potential through positive changes. I wonder if you could expound upon that and, and, and tell us why you put that. Right. Thank you for asking me that, Andy. I think it's really coming from my corporate experience. So largely... I have been working in global IT industry for many years. And one thing that was really distinctive in that experience was there was so much change going within the organization every time. So I still vividly remember one moment that really triggered me to get that mission going. It was one of my encounter with one of the engineering managers when I was working in Singapore. And the engineering manager was one of my good friend. And then we just had an opportunity to have a conversation. He's usually a very bubbly and nice person. But on that day, I saw his face so deflated and exhausted. So there must be something going on, right? And then I remember what he said after I was asking how he was doing. And then he said, Gloria, you know, over two years, I had six different managers. And I'm okay with that, but organization just announced another restructuring. And as a manager, I'm not too sure what I need to do. Yeah, I think I'm done. And when he said that, it really sparked something in me because I was trying to help that person. Then I realized I have some tools that I can help, but I really don't know how this is going to help him. So it really sparked the curiosity in me asking, how do I empower people through positive change? And what's going to take for us and for me as a professional to enable that to happen? Mm. So that journey, uh, that was when I was in learning and development function. And the journey uh, really sparked me to develop myself further as a certified coach, supporting individual change. And also facilitating a lot of group workshop, which kind of supports capability building so that they become more agile and adaptable in terms of change, right? And later on, I delve more into corporate and organizational change, uh, utilizing organization development as a change methodology, as well as formal change management using cross-site method. And really delving into how at an organizational level can we create an effective change? And as I went through this entire experience, I realized maybe I should make a career out of this entire mm. passion that I had and blending all of that. Uh, so in my current work right now is I'm really focusing on how do I amplify my work and my expertise and my professional passion to support individual through change as well as organization. Yeah, that's why I am very passionate about culture transformation and change mm. management effort around that. You know, what's yeah. great about that is you and I both work with people and teach others how to follow their passions and own their careers. And exactly. Really get the most of it. it's, it's great that we've both been through our own, our own journeys 
to do that, right? And we can draw mm-hmm. on that experience and know what it's like to work on that, to make mistakes and to really discover and be able to kind of fulfill that potential. And it, so it's it's really fun to, to try to do that for others. I have a question for you coming from that story. So I've gotten this question before. I've, I've, I've talked to multiple people who have said something to the effect of, you know, it's been really crazy. I'm kind of, it's hard to figure out what to do in my job because I've had five different managers in the last four years, something mm-hmm. like that. I've heard that multiple times. I've heard that in the the training program that we run and people say, well, you know, I'm, it's great. I'm working on this vision. I want to set some goals, but I don't really know what to do because I have a different manager. Like it keeps changing. What do you right. tell people in that position? How How can they think about owning their career when there's so much change going on around them? Right. That is a really great question. So in my experience, I think helping them to probably rethink and separate what's within the locus of control for themselves, as well as what is outside of their control. Yeah. And one of the models of change called Bridges Model of Transition talks about acknowledging what is changing versus what is not changing and what do you have within control and what you don't have within your control is one of the important factors in helping people to move through change. So owning your career, yes, external factors of organizational change is something most of the times for many individuals is beyond their control. Yeah, it's something that we cannot control. Then also at the time, really looking at then, Mm -hmm. what do I have a control over? Uh, And I think the reason why I was so resonated with the Own Your Career program is you talk about mindset. Mm. When they have a mindset that they are at the driver's seat of their career and they move forward, that helps them to gain the sense of autonomy as well as the ownership again. And I think that's way that's way for them to empower themselves. Mm. Now that I know that I'm driving, what is possible for me to do? Yeah. And shifting their mindset from a victim mm. or things happen to me yeah. versus despite the situation that I am having right now, what's something that I can do? Yeah. yeah. It is shifting, I think, that ownership into uh, my ability to make changes happen. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of things that are outside of your control, like the company leadership, yeah. who your boss is, that sort of thing. But what is in your control? Let's focus your energy on that and believe that that life is happening for you and what look for the opportunities in this. I, I love that. And so yeah. you and I are so aligned on these things. Just to take it back, Gloria, to the beginning of your career, how did you get into talent development, learning and development in the first place? Right. It was very organic, I must say. So my first job was at Microsoft coaching sales executive who was doing enterprise sales. And then at the time, I got really fascinated by the opportunity to develop people through conversation. And then I did a lot of certification and learnings alongside with that. And I think that showed in my LinkedIn somehow. So recruiters from one of my previous company reached out to me, hey, we have this position open in L&D. Are you interested? And of course, at the time, I knew that my mission is empowering people through change. So, okay, I'm going to jump on it and then work that through, you know? So that's how I got into the learning and development function. So I started my L&D career in Singapore mm. and then eventually moved to Canada uh, doing more global program and facilitation. So kind of the evolution of uh, different uh, nuances and application of how cultures and also different types of global aspects is impacting the way people learn too. Yeah. 
Mm, that's great. You've experienced so many different things in your short career so far. I'm curious, I, I believe you grew up in Singapore, right? You went to university there and started your career and then you moved to Canada. What has that been like? That's obviously a big change, both working and living. Right. So I'm born and raised in South Korea. And ah, then okay. I stayed there until my high school. And then I went to Singapore for undergraduate study. Yeah. So, and then, okay. and then got the job there and then moved to Canada about five years ago. So what was it like? It is life transforming event. I think moving to a new country, especially at the age of, let's say, 18, 19, is a defining moment because it challenges to the core of who you are. Anything that you thought is uh, kind of a standard is not a standard in other country. Uh, for example, language, the way people show up and communicate, the way people think, the way people eat. It was so diverse in Singapore, but in Korea, the culture is very homogeneous. Mm. So we have, we are setting, it's not true, but we, we thought, we, we are taught in school that we have one ethnicity. <laughs> and then, you know, we have this whole one united spirit. So, of course, I think mindsets and everything that has been imposed in that culture is very standardized. I grew up in that culture and coming to Singapore and experienced such a different types of work, study and people. It really shattered, I think, my belief system about how I need to live my life, but in a good way. Because I got challenged to the core and it helped me create an opportunity to really redefine my own terms. What do I truly value outside of the social norms and influences and who I am? And really helped me foster the different, I think, questions. And it goes same to coming here in Canada. The culture is vastly different. Mm. Yeah. So I got challenged again. And I think that experience was tough. And especially, I think, as an immigrant in Canada, uh, also woman of color, there are different types of association and experience that I definitely had compared to what I had in Asia. Mm. So just recognizing those nuances and lived experience that I have as a person helped me shave, I think, more empathetic extent people who's going through different life experience. Yeah. Yeah. So it helped me grow as a person. No yeah, doubt. But it's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of challenges. Not to mention business is conducted very differently in these different countries, right? And and how you show up for meetings and facilitate workshops. I'm sure it's all quite different. I actually was once traveling in, in Korea and I went to a meeting there and uh, I noticed how vastly different it was from being in the United States. I've been to Singapore as well. And I, I, I think it's fairly similar there to how business is done more in the quote Western world. But you notice so many differences in this. I see how you are now personally qualified to be working on things like change management for companies and, and cultural transformations, right? Because you've been through so many yourself, <laughs> right? In, right. Your, in your life and your career. Um, so let's transition to this topic of cultural transformations when an organization is facing a big change, a big transformation, whether it's new leadership, a new strategy, kind of a new direction. What are some important things that not only the company needs to be thinking about, but especially people in learning and development or who are helping to enable that change? Right. I think about probably culture transformation in three different dimensions. Okay. So um, if we think about organization as a human system, I think that what consists of is the first, definitely the first dimension is individual. Yeah. 
individuals making up for organization. And then second level is at the team level, group level, how they work together collectively. And the third level is systematic and more organizational level. So my thoughts and also my philosophy in driving change is we need to blend in individual team level and group level and systemic level in the process of designing and launching this big transformation. Yeah. So I can elaborate more one by one. So in terms of individual level change, I mean, organization is a collection of human beings, right? So <laughs> definitely. Sometimes we forget in, that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's a very fundamental philosophy of change management too. If we don't change one person, we cannot change the organization. Mm. So the question is really then, how do we uh, shift probably those changes to happen in the individual during the cultural transformation? And I think that comes down to really the mindset shift. So the reason why I, I'm saying that again, but the reason why I resonate so much with the Own Your Career program is because you talk about the mindset of owning your career. If we do not really instill the opportunity to examine and analyze what mindset they are operating from, it's going to be really difficult to drive a sustainable behavior change. Yeah. Culture transformation program needs to do is incorporating some of the elements for individuals to think through what is the current dynamics and the state of cultures that I'm operating with and how does it serve me at this point of time and what's not working so that there is some reflection about the current state. And also that opens up some opportunity to think if this is not working, what will be the alternative future of culture that I can probably embrace so that I can perform better, so that I can show up as a better employee, so that I can be a better colleague and stuff like that. But sometimes when culture programs or transformation happens, it usually gets very top down. Yeah. So they determine the code and how we need to operate and then where we are going in terms of the big vision. And then they get castigated down into the individual level and they receive those as a change instead of being able to participate. That takes a lot more work for people to actually get convinced that new culture will work when mm. they are not really involved. And that's another change management principle. You need to involve people through the process of creating the change. And I think human beings has this innate need and desire to be part of something. And if we are not part of it, it's going to be hard to feel accountable or um, passionate about because I don't have ownership about that. Mm -hmm. So really, if we want to create a long-term sustainable culture change and have some long-term investment overlook, um, you know, overview from the um, leadership is what's going to be nice to involve at least some levels of employees at an individual level in multiple different levels and different departments to come together and then have a session to envision what does culture look like within your organization and kind of incorporating those inputs into creating the new culture code or new culture transformation mandate. Yeah, so that they become part of uh, that machine of generating the changes. And because of that, they will be a champion because I have say in creating this culture, right? right? So they feel more part of it for sure. Yeah. So and it also helps them to have a lot less resistance. Mm. And usually changes fail because of resistance within yeah. your organization. So involving people at an individual level and creating a space for mindset shift 
as a part of program uh, design principle is one of the core factors in enabling sustainable culture change. Yeah. I, I like what you said about how you really need to involve people and, and humans really desire to be part of something, right? Like yeah. I've said this many times, humans are social creatures. And I do yes. believe we we like to be part of tribes, part of a movement, part of a group of people, part of what's happening, right? It's like, I've always wanted to be part of the quote in crowd, right? Even going back to school, you don't want to be excluded from things. And exactly. also certainly everybody has their different levels of desire for autonomy and, and things like that. But I think in general, people don't like to just be told what to do, especially if they don't understand the purpose behind it. Right. So we want to bring people with us and have them feel like they're part of something. How do we do that when, you know, in reality, it's the C-suite making a decision and saying, hey, this is our new strategy. How do we make sure that people feel like they are part of the change? Right. So if, you know, the leadership's mandate is set in stone and probably talent development where HR have a little room to influence at that point of time, I think the next step is to really incorporate how in our culture program that we roll out, have an opportunity to really bring them together to co-shape some of the new ideas, right? So maybe big picture vision can come from the leadership, but is there probably a subset of those visions that can be created through employee participation, you know? So let's say if you're one of the culture code is a psychological safety, probably doing some campaign around how does psychological safety look like to you? And then getting the feedback from different types of individuals. And then I'll share that as, let's say, mural board or employee's voice so that there is a room in our culture program that always inculcate uh, that involvement from the people and that it evolves over, over the culture. And I think... One other important factor is that emphasizing that it's iterated process by leadership. So it's not a set in stone. Our culture still evolves, right? I mean, human organizations are very flexible and we are faced with many changes. And that's why culture needs to transform as a part of it. But culture also needs to be iterative. So really involving that some flexibility and then sharing the message around, I think is going to provide more, I think, space to receive the change as part of part of the initiative as they are going to participate. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Culture needs to be iterative, right? It's not just like, hey, one big shift and everybody has changed. It, it's going to be an iterative process. Some people are going to take exactly. longer than others to really understand what's going on and buy in and be part of it. Um, when you work with organizations, I know you talk about this blend of coaching group facilitation and organizational Mm -hmm. consulting, sort of all of these things are important elements. Maybe you can talk about the interdependencies and, you know, if you're rolling out some type of program and you're communicating this and bringing people along, then it's important that you're talking about facilitation, not just teaching or telling, right? And then how does that play a role and how does coaching play a role as well? Right. So maybe I will start with facilitation. And that actually goes to my second point about second dimension of groups and teams. Mm. I think key element that is really enabling culture transformation is changing the conversation within the organization. And that can be done through facilitation. So if you think about culture is a collective perception of people about how we operate as an organization, right? And then that makes me curious then, where does that collective perception comes from? So it boils down to the first point that we had done, in a sense, mindset and perception 
increase our uh, behavior, right? Mm. And then that gets collectively increased and then reinforced as a culture norm within the organization. So what we need to do then changing the collective perception is to engaging in the opportunity to really examine their mindset. And usually that happens through the conversation uh, because the language that we speak represents what we think, what we believe, and how we operate. So if we can change our language that we speak, the words that we speak, that's how culture starts to shift. Mm. So if I really want to intervene one element to impact cultures, I would change the facilitation of the meeting that is happening within the organization. Yeah. If we can change the structure of the meeting to be more inclusive, inviting more diverse perspective, Mm. It creates capability for people to collaborate more effectively. Therefore, any type of culture mandate that they are going to receive and shape together, they have more collaborative capacity to make that happen. So I can give you some of the example. You probably have seen that in my workshop design as well already, indeed. But yeah. when we facilitate, the one of the th- key things that we can start to doing, it's like, think, of, think about meeting as a canoe. Yeah. Canoe As a canoe is yeah. Okay. If you look at the canoe, it's like one end is sharp, right? And then mm-hmm. it opens up and then it's straight and then it comes to comes back into the one shape again, right? Mm-hmm. So imagining as if we are opening the meeting from the one edge and then you open it up. And that space of opening is a welcoming stage where people becomes grounded and coming in. Uh, and being hosted in that experience of the meeting. And I usually incorporate that into the check-in as well, so that it's almost like entering into a virtual space, invisible space. Mm. But if we can make that feel welcome, somehow people start to open up better because there is more psychological safety in that room. So in my past experience in corporate life, I always did welcoming and check-in in any type of meeting I facilitated. What ended up usually happening over time is that it creates a lot of community building over the meeting because people just do not engage very tactically or transactional in that meeting, but they get to know one another through welcoming and check-in and it mm. builds relationship. Yeah, And once we start to do that, uh, you clear set clear set of expectation around ground rules how we are going to work and engage one another and set that clear behavior expectation and also the agenda and then talk about current state and then elicit some possibility around how we can move forward and wrap that meeting with checkout and clear next step. Usually this kind of structure of the meeting generates a lot more productive conversation. Um, And the more we do that, what, what happens is that people became okay in collaborating effectively and they see the possibility of engaging with one another in a fundamentally different level and seeing that is possible and more openness and psychological safety leads to definitely the team development right and once that space of capability happens through meetings that we have almost everything (laughs) it changes it becomes the fuel in transforming the organization so the meeting facilitation to me and essentially some people need to guide the structure right so it could be a talent management practitioner uh, talent development practitioner 
who's capable of creating the facilitative space where people will feel welcome and also experience a powerful conversation in that meeting, the more we can impart the knowledge and train people, uh, especially managers, mm. to do that in their meeting is going to really generate a lot of uh, culture transformation organically happening within the organization. Yeah. yeah. For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. I love that. And you are uh, talking about the importance of facilitating great meetings and training sessions. And the facilitation part is the really the key that you're bringing people with you. You talked about making inclusive, psychological safety, collaborative. This is These are all important elements that are going to make help people feel like they are part of the change. And I've had the pleasure of, of watching you facilitate virtual sessions and you do a really great job of keeping it organized and keeping people really involved and soliciting you know questions and feedback and all that sort of stuff. It's been really great to see that. I've learned a lot from you. I know you do coaching as well. And this is another element where we can use something, a tool that we can use to help with organizational change. What, Where does that come in? How does that play in helping the change? Right. Coaching to me is really changing the narrative of the person. To me, it's a conversation that cha- changed the narrative. So once we really have a different life of story, especially I think at the leadership level, they, they have been successful in certain way that put them into that success, you know, swim lane, right? However, new culture transformation requires different way of working. So at some point, leaders need to shift their mindset and also behaviors and engage in different patterns to, in order for them to support the culture transformation and also continue to stay as an effective leader. But sometimes it's really difficult to see that on their own. Yeah. So some of the leadership assessment, like learning circle profile or any other types of things, helping them to get the sense of where they are in terms of their leadership and then really looking at their leadership styles and how they have been in terms of their development in the lens of new culture and see where is the gap and see where is the areas of strength that they can amplify those conversations start to really shift their mindset into new ways of being. Yeah. So they are not going to be staying in their old story of this. I am successful leader because I have done this X, Y, and Z from I am successful leader because I can embrace this new identity as a leader who embrace this new set of culture skills. And I can role model that within the organization. And that's how I will support the organization. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's really dismantling that, I think, inner dialogue and then put it that explicitly and then make it as a visible action plan to help them move forward to develop their leadership. Yeah. So to me, that's the essence of coaching. Yeah. 
And by doing it, they develop change agility that it's easier for them to feel like engaging with new types of changes like this is going to come more naturally. Mm. It builds the capability for them. Yeah. And, and it's great if we can bring in outside coaches to help with this, but ideally we want managers to be coaching their people through these changes, right? To feel like they're Definitely. connected to it. Yeah. And manager requires really a lot of support. I have a very big empathy about manager, especially for this type of larger transformation, because mm. they are the ones who's also receiving the change. At the same time, they are the one who needs to empower people through change. They have a durable. And I think the tension that they have to go through on a day-to-day basis, navigating that takes up a lot of energy and space in their day-to-day work. So really empowering them with meaningful conversation, as well as tools to enable them to do so, is going to be a very, very essential part. I think in any type of organizational culture transformation that we need to allow, yeah. That that middle manager layer is so under you know underappreciated, right? There's there's so mm-hmm. much important work that goes on there because you've got leadership saying, okay, here's our new strategy, here's our change, go tell all your people. And, you know, they're trying to understand it and figure it out and then turn around and really get their people and get them involved through running meetings, through coaching, delegating, you know, whatever it may be. And so I agree. There's there's so much important work that goes on there. You know, speaking of that, one thing I wanted to ask you is why do so many transformations fail? What are the biggest reasons why these changes fail to, to work? Yeah, that's a great question. I see statistics, 70% of change initiative usually fails. Wow. Yeah. And I think that actually ties back to my third dimension, uh, which is systemic organizational dimensions so of mm. culture transformation. What often happens is that culture transformation is rolled out as if it is one big initiative. But what's often overlooked in many organizations is linking that culture transformation and other change effort in relations to other elements of uh, organization. So organization has people, right? They have process, they have uh, technology, they have customer, they're also dealing with external market. And all these elements that is shaping the organization impacts culture transformation or any other change management effort. However, often most of the project that I see rolls out on a silo basis. This is one independent project and that we are going to roll out. And once it gets rolled out, because it doesn't, doesn't really account for the complexity and interdependency of other elements of organization, it's hard to lend in a meaningful way. So I can give you an example. Yeah. So I, when I was a change management lead in one of the business um, organization, we actually had a really wonderful project team. And also pretty good resources around change management. We had processes and everything that has been said. However, whenever we roll out change management initiative, we, did, we weren't successful, but we execute the change management so well, but we still failed. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason, reason being is because we weren't able to account and influence the decision-making of how organizations actually make decisions. So the issue of the organization was it's not because one project or two projects or several projects quality wasn't great. It's just that they were rolling probably 10 to 15 initiative at one go. And it was organization's capability, un- 
inability to prioritize that was actually driving that dysfunction of change. But if we don't see that, <laughs> if we don't account for that, of course, we are going to continue to roll out change management, right? Yep. Initiative. And then you will continuously having the same levels of responses and impact. So unless we really uh, understand deeper root cause of what's impacting the culture, what's impacting the change in relations to the bigger system and trying to address that as a way to go through uh, transformation, it's going to be very difficult to drive the meaningful change. So there is a lot of right now, I think, uh, hypes about systemic thinking for leaders right now, because as they need to understand the interdependency of all this correlated department functions and customers, that's the only way that we can actually create meaningful change. Yeah, absolutely. So many important elements to this. The last thing to ask about it is, you know, we talked about the importance of the managers and the leaders. What are the what are the biggest mistakes that are made there? Why do leaders fail to get their employees on board? Right. Leader has, I think, is the unconscious bias. Usually leaders are the one who's initiating the change. Mm-hmm. Right. So they have a lot more room and space to make sense of these changes that they are going to make happen. Managers are probably in the second lane. So imagine it's like a marathon. Mm -hmm. Leaders are the first one who's initiating. So they go faster, right? And then managers are in the middle of it. And then employees are probably thousands of other people who was waiting to just run. (laughs) So leaders go first. And then therefore, they have this space and capacity to actually make sense of this change. So they want to go faster. However, for managers and employees, they even haven't started <laughs> running. Right? <laughs> they don't even know probably if you are really at the bottom of the lane, they don't even know whether the first runners start to run. Yeah. So often, I think leaders overlook this warm-up period that they have gone through in strategizing this change and expect uh, probably managers and employees to follow quickly. But they also need space and time to make sense of it, understand making a mindset shift and behavior shift and what it means for them and trying to get the big sense of context. Yeah. So really failing to account for that level. So I think a sense making that's required for managers and employees one. And I think the other one is because most of organization is moving in such a fast pace right now with a lot of unpredictability. Changes are often very iterative, which means that leaders also don't know sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> what was going to come, but they still need to move ahead into certain directions. So what that does is it becomes a big void within the organization in terms of information gap. And that creates a lot of ambiguity and uncertainty for people who's receiving this change. But leaders are unable to provide adequate support and information that's required because they are also anticipating new movement. Yeah. And I think that's the real, very realistic challenge that I see many organizations are going through right now. Yeah. That not sure how to really address it in a meaningful way, but that's where the conversation to enable an open conversation for leaders to acknowledge, I don't know what I don't know. Mm, yes. To be open, yeah. and honest, yeah. authentic, transparent, vulnerable. Yeah. And curiosity to understand from their perspective, I think it's the key to manage that uncertainty and ambiguity yeah. within the organization. 
Yeah, yeah. I think curiosity and empathy, so underrated, not talked about enough in leadership and, and really right. connecting with people, getting things done. Gloria, this has been fantastic. There's so much more we can talk about with this. The last, last question I wanted to ask you quickly is, you know, we touched on this very briefly a couple of times. You have been facilitating the Own Your Career program that I created from my book. Mm -hmm. We met and found out we were just so aligned on this sort of vision and this mission to teach and empower and help other people. And you have added a lot of value to that program as a really great facilitator yourself. This is more of a self-serving question for me. What has it been like facilitating <laughs> that program so far? And, and why should organizations consider bringing it in? Oh, that's a great question. I think... One personal selfish benefit that I had is it helped me reflect my own career journey <laughs> and be more intentional in putting myself into the driver's seat, definitely. Mm. Uh, so that's my personal learning journey as I facilitate. For example, we are going to talk about personal branding this week. And yeah. it puts me into the position to really think about what am I doing? <laughs> right. Am I living this? <laughs> to, yeah. yeah. To really role model this work, you know? But I think what I really resonate about this program is it's very comprehensive. First of all, it's not only talking about one tactical element of career development, but I think it has a comprehensive and holistic approach. Start with your direction, vision, purpose, and goals. And once that gets clear, what are some of the ways that you can enhance and amplify your career development? And after they're really thinking about how do you anchor that momentum through really honing in the mindset? Yeah. So I always think about learning needs to happen, not by imparting knowledge, but it's the double loop learning that I learned by air juries. And then they talk about without mindset shift, there isn't going to be meaningful, sustainable behavior change. So when I think about learning experience, I always think about how do we create that shift of mindset and conversation that allow, to allow that to happen in the learning experience? And I think your program structures allow people to go through not only their mindset, think about their behavior in a tactical way, but anchoring that into very personal uh, visions and directions that they want to have. And frankly speaking, a lot of organizations right now um, Tradition, we don't have a traditional career path anymore. Hmm. So it's often left to individuals to figure it out and what works for me, right? And I feel like this program is going to give a lot of great recipe and learning to really honing that pieces of then what does work for me? What does career success look like? And helping them to define in their own terms instead of depending on and relying on traditional career path which we know organizational organization cannot offer anymore, <laughs> right. right? So I think it's the fundamental ways that we, it's the fundamental way that I see that we need to impart more to right now current workforce in how they need to build their career. And I think that's why organizations are now longing for this approach and your program really supports that initiative uh, for them. So if anyone in, in talent development sphere is looking for a career development program, I highly encourage this program to be rolled out within your organization for sure. Yeah. 
Well, thank you, Gloria. I really appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, if you do, we should make sure that you, you know, come talk to us about having Gloria come run the program for you because she is the best. Gloria, this has been awesome. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. If anybody wants to get in touch with you to ask you questions, find out more about what you do, where, where's the best place for them to go? LinkedIn will be the best place. Yeah. LinkedIn. All right. So look up Gloria Song. We'll put a link uh, to her profile and her website in our show notes. Uh, Gloria, thank you again for being here. Always great talking with you. I look forward to talking with you more soon. Thank you so much, Andy. All right. That will do it for my conversation with Gloria Song about managing cultural transformations and organizational change. So much great value in there. You know, Gloria talked about focusing on what's in your control. She talked about the Bridges model of change. She talked about how we need to think about cultural transformation, both from an individual lens, a team lens, and a systemic or organizational lens. She talked about assessing the current state to see what's working and what's not, why organizations must involve people in the process of creating change. She talked about humans desiring to be part of something, which I completely agree with, and how changes often fail because of resistance and because leaders are not really getting their people on board. Uh, she talked about how to bring people along and why culture needs to be iterative and not just something that happens overnight. We talked about the importance of mindset and language and shifting facilitation to be more collaborative, diverse, inclusive, etc., and how coaching plays a role in all of this as well. Hope you got some great takeaways. I did as well. I feel like I'm ready to go make some organizational change. By the way, Gloria has been facilitating the Own Your Career program in uh, different organizations, as I mentioned earlier. And that program is all about teaching people how to own their careers and go into really the steps at a deeper level than, say, my book or my keynote in how to own their career by setting a vision, setting clear specific goals, connecting to a purpose, and then doing things to set themselves up for future success, like investing in continuous learning, building a network, building a personal brand, developing a mindset, and then bringing it all together to stay on track. If it sounds like something that you could benefit from running inside your organization, feel free to reach out to me or to Gloria. My email is andy at andystorch.com. I'm also going to get Gloria to run a session in the talent development think tank community that I run on this topic to help people with organizational change. And if you're not yet a member of the Think Tank community, I would love for you to come check it out. We are all about connecting people and learning and growing together. The website for our community is tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. And I'm excited to announce that we do have our next conference coming up in February of 2023. The Talent Development Think Tank Conference will be on February 22nd and 23rd of 2023. We have some fantastic speakers lined up like Claude Silver and Susan Schmidt Winchester, Kevin M. Yates, the L&D detective, and many others. And you definitely want to come check that out because there's nothing like being together with your L&D friends to learn and to grow and to collaborate together. The website for that conference is tdtt.us slash conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. All right. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate you and I'll talk to you next time. Stay tuned for my bonus Q&A with Gloria Song. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. And take care.